Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we are talking with award-winning writer and editor, Jill Schildhaus. Jill has 23 years of experience in print and digital publishing and has worked as a full-time freelancer since 2017. She regularly contributes to Travel and Leisure, Brides, Trip Savvy, Insider, USA Today, Reader's Digest, Taste of Home, Southern Living, and many more. She is a true generalist, writing about a variety of topics from health and wellness, travel and hospitality, beauty, e-commerce, personal finance, technology, sustainability, and business. Jill is also the co-founder of Top Tier Consulting, where she teaches publicists how to build and maintain relationships with journalists and how to rise to the top of busy writers' inboxes. Hello, Jill. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I look forward to talking with you and hearing all of the great knowledge you have to share with us. Um, So as I mentioned in our intro, you are quite the accomplished writer who is now a highly regarded consultant for publicists as well. Uh, I would love if you could walk us through your career and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So interestingly, I started my career in public relations in the late 90s. And only made it a year on that side of the business and quickly realized it just wasn't the right place for me to be. And so I moved over. uh, The very next job I got was with a magazine, which made a lot more sense. I had always loved writing. I wrote a book in fourth grade. And so it just it was a better fit for me, you know, right from the get go. And now it's been 23 years in magazine publishing. I worked on staff at numerous publications um, over the years. I did a little departure from magazine publishing for a few years and worked in the marketing department of a Fortune 10 um, healthcare company. And then I decided that I was done with corporate America. And so I did the very cliche thing on my 40th birthday. I (laughs) quit my- Yeah, I I quit my, uh, you know, cushy six figure salaried, you know, job, (laughs) and I decided to go full time freelance. And uh, six years later, I've never looked back. Great. That was going to be my question. (laughs) And it has been six years, you know, when you started the full time freelancing, what were you the most surprised to learn? I think in many cases, it comes down to um, the strength of the relationships that you build along the way is how you um, succeed in this industry, your network almost becomes more valuable than the ideas that you pitch. Um, because editors find their favorite writers and they like to keep them close by. And I did this as well. When I was, you know, the editor in chief of a AAA travel publication for years, you find those great writers and you keep them close by. And when editors move to another publication, for instance, they'll bring you along. And so that's another great way to keep, you know, building your portfolio. And the importance of having a strong network extends beyond just with editors. 
to other writers as well, because you can share in each other's successes and frustrations. You know, so much of this job is really done in a silo um, as a freelancer. You don't have coworkers and you right. know, colleagues to bounce things off of or discuss. Um, you know, but those writer relationships are so crucial and they're also a great way to share, you know, editor contact information and bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. How has freelancing changed over those six years? And I know it has, we've, we've seen even more freelancers join the world as well. And how have you been able to stay successful as a freelancer? Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes down to being nimble. Um, You know, we've seen print publications dying. We've seen publications folding. There's fewer outlets to contribute to, but there's more freelancers than ever in the marketplace vying for, you know, even less opportunities. And so, you know, I I think social media has been a really important part of my career. And I think a lot of writers feel this way. I was a little bit late to the game. Like I only realized last year that Twitter would be useful for, you know, following editors and seeing their calls for pitches, for instance. And so once I got on board with that, I found that I was landing more outlets and getting bylines and new publications. So, you know, that was really great. Um, You also have to be nimble just in terms of like technology and staying on top of, you know, the ever changing landscape, everything from affiliate marketing links and SEO to, you know, the different skill sets that, you know, editors are expecting, you know, of writers these days. Sometimes there's photos involved. Sometimes there's, you know, writing more um, like meta descriptions and things. So, you know, it's really making sure that you're staying on top of all the industry changes so that, you know, you're still a viable resource. Um, and then the other thing I would say is really diversifying your income beyond just creating written content. And that was all I did for, you know, the first five years or so of my business. And it wasn't really until last year that I realized that I could, you know, do more with my skill set and I could, you know, run a Substack newsletter and monetize that. And I could um, start a consulting business and work with publicists. And, you know, even Instagram is an income stream for me as well. Yeah, that's great. You know, why don't we talk a little bit more about those? Tell us more about the Substack and the newsletter and the, the top tier consulting yeah, so I actually have two substacks. I have my personal substack, which is where I put all of my calls for pitches each week. And I have about 4,700 publicists um, subscribed to that substack. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I've really built this community. They're engaged. Um, you know, my open rate is like 60 something percent every time I send one out, which is, you know, huge. I've got this like amazing captive audience and it's, you know, such a great way for them to know exactly what I'm working on and what I'm looking for, you know, at any given time. Um, and they get to learn a little bit about me, which helps them, you know, develop a rapport with me. And I notice in my pitches, I get a lot more personalized pitches, which make me feel compelled to, you know, respond to them. them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then on 
And then I do share some industry insights in there as well. And I host um, like bi-monthly ask me anything sessions, you know, so that there's really a constant conversation happening. And then I also last year uh, co-founded a consulting business with fellow journalist, Nicole Pager, and that's called Top Tier Consulting. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have a Substack for that side of the business that we run together that is a very deep dive into industry information and insider information. You know, we share, you know, uh, secrets and tips and tricks for, you know, how to get your pitch to the top of a busy writer's inbox. We show them how to prove that their client's product is trending. You know, we really want to help them succeed. Our goal is to you know, teach publicists how to build and maintain relationships with journalists and get maximum ROI for each uh, outreach effort. And, you know, we understand how difficult, you know, PR jobs are. I mean, right. you know, there there's so much going on on that end of things. And the more we can work together to bridge that gap of misunderstandings of how the relationship could really be better, you know, is so great. Yeah. Do you find that that's more helpful for newer PR professionals or um, targeted towards, you know, all, all experience levels? So it's actually targeted to all experience levels. And it's interesting because I, we constantly, both Nicole and I on the top tier side, and then, you know, just for my own personal Substack, we receive so much feedback constantly from veterans in the industry. I mean, publicists who have been doing this 20, 30 years that are like, oh, wow, that's such a great reminder. Or I never knew that. Or, you know, thanks for sharing it from your perspective. I never thought about it that way before. Um, So I, I really think that, you know, this industry information helps everyone. Yeah, well, we'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes so anyone listening can sign up uh, and and learn some more from you. I want to talk a little bit about your array of topics. You cover everything from health and wellness, travel and hospitality, beauty, e-commerce, personal finance, technology, sustainability, business. I probably could go on. (laughs) How do you find your focus? And what types of stories do you like to write? I think I find my focus in not having a focus. Um, I'm, I'm a true generalist and, you know, I've certainly heard over the years that there are riches and niches and I do have my personal favorite, you know, topics that I enjoy writing about, but what I actually enjoy most about my career is that I get to learn a little bit about a lot of different things. And so I really like being in learning mode and whether I'm like interviewing a microbiologist to learn all about the mites that live in your eyebrows. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. To like a travel agent, you know, talking about their favorite over the water bungalow in Tahiti, you know, I find it all just really interesting. And I like diving into new topics and figuring out how to make them interesting to the average consumer. You know, that makes your being a generalist I feel makes your substack even more valuable because you could be on every industry list that a journal that a PR professional has yep. and be pitched everything under the sun. Um, but and, it's and probably, I think I am on all those lists. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> I was going to say, but it's probably better it, for you, for the PR professionals, just to be following what you're working on and, and re- responding to those things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it allows me to work with a lot of different publicists, but also a lot of different editors, you know. Um, my editors know that they can come to me for like pretty much any topic under the sun and I'm going to dive into it and research it and, you know, figure out how to tackle it. That's really cool. I think I know that travel is maybe one of your favorite topics. It (laughs) sure is. (laughs) You've been to 36 countries. Uh, any favorites you could talk about? I know that's a hard one. It is a hard one. And I'm going to like five new countries this year. So that going up. So I'm really excited. Um, My absolute all-time favorite is always going to be Italy. I've been there four times and like, I need to go back at least 40 more, I think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) To to truly like, uh, (laughs) it's just, it's the most magical place on earth. It is. You know, I've had some really amazing experiences. I've gone snorkeling in Fiji and I've made Stroopwafel in, you know, Denmark, and I've toured the fjords of Norway. Um, You know, I've just, I've had some really incredible experiences um, through my travel writing and it's just, it's my absolute favorite part of my job. Yeah. You know, a lot of what we do personally is on the travel side of things. So I'm a little interested in that, of course, with for travel pitches and media invites specifically, what are your recommendations to PR professionals? Yes. I I just did an AMA about this earlier this week. So this is completely top of mind. Um, But I think, you know, for media invites, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a business decision for us to go on a trip or not. Um, I know that it's sort of viewed as like, oh, you get these free vacations all the time and they're anything, but, you know, we're running around 12 to 14 hours a day, you know, on jam-packed itineraries, we're missing out on, you know, personal things at home. And we're also essentially losing money every time we're on a press trip because we're not really able to write during them. And we sometimes have to turn down assignments while we're on those trips um, just because of the nature of how busy those trips are. So, you know, the more information that publicists can share in the invitation, the better we're able to assess if it's a good business decision for us to accept that invitation. Um, you know, we really need to understand what's in the itinerary, um, mostly so we can figure out if it's something marketable that we can sell our editors. Right. Um, and we also need to know what is covered and what isn't. There's so many, you know, hidden or surprise costs on press trips, you know, that it's really important to spell that information out upfront as well. Yeah. Have you, you know, that is something I've never on any trips we've hosted, I, the journalists haven't had that experience where they've had surprise costs. So I was, mm-hmm. I was a little um, surprised to hear that, or I think I saw it in one of your tweets or <laughs> something. Yeah, about. probably. Yeah. And so that's pretty common. You know, it is. Um, and it can be something as simple as uh, an agency asking us to, for instance, pay for our flights and then they will reimburse us on the back end. Mm. But typically, you know, we're laying out, you know, 600, a thousand dollars, you know, depending on where the destination is. 
And then there's always a lengthy reimbursement process that takes like two to three months to get that money back. And meanwhile, we're expected to cash flow, you know, that and it's sitting on our credit cards, you know, interest if you can't pay it off. You know, there's things like gratuities, there's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, transfers to and from you know, airports, um, to hotels or to, you know, events, and I will say a lot of agencies do it right. And they, you know, take care of all of those things and it's a seamless process, but invariably there's always some type of surprise charge, you know, that, sure. that we're not aware of or prepared for. We mentioned in the intro, some of the outlets that you're writing for, which ones do you most enjoy writing for and the type of stories you focus on for each? Um, Travel and leisure is one of my favorite outlets to contribute to. Um, For them, I do a lot of hotel roundups. So, you know, pick a pick a particular city and, you know, here's the best 10, um, you know, hotels to stay at there for these reasons. And for this type of traveler, you know, if you're looking for a romantic stay, you want to stay here. If you're looking for family-friendly activities, this is the spot to be. Um, so I like, I like knowing that I'm a little part of like somebody's vacation planning experience and that, you know, I'm giving them that firsthand information that they know that they can trust and they're going to have, you know, a, a great um, getaway as a result. The other types of pieces that I write for travel and leisure are e-commerce pieces. And I just finished one on what to pack um, for a cruise. And I had so much fun with that piece because I have taken 15 cruises. I have my 16th cruise coming up next month. Oh, Wow. And so these were all like really personal um, recommendations that I was giving. I own like 80% of the things that I was um, recommending in this article. And they weren't even like all press samples. I purchased a lot of them with my own money and have found them to be like the best thing to take on a cruise. So, you know, really being able to share that firsthand experience, I think is important. You know, you mentioned that about purchasing them is... Do you normally need to consider affiliate marketing when you are um, talking about products and articles? Yeah, it depends on the outlet. Um, There are some outlets that it's absolutely required. You know, they have their, you know, affiliate partners that they work with and the products need to fit within those. And they may even have some additional requirements around uh, the number of, you know, reviews that it has, you know, on a website. Um, But then there are some publications that, you know, aren't as strict about it. They have some preferences of, you know, you including some, of course, Um, but they also leave it up to the writer's discretion to really pick the best product. And if they don't fall within an affiliate marketing program, that's okay because it's the best product. Yeah, that's great. I sometimes wish that consumers knew which ones were which, you know, know. which of those outlets (laughs) were like that, but yep. So aside from travel and leisure, what are some of the others? Um, So I've been contributing a lot to Southern Living over the last year. Uh And those assignments are so fun because I get to share a lot of personal like family recipes 
um, you know, within those, or I'm, you know, sharing some type of important information on, you know, easy recipes, answering questions about, you know, do certain things go bad in your pantry or how to store different foods so they last longer. Um, so, you know, food and travel go hand in hand in my book. Um, and I really like writing, uh, food content. I also contribute pretty frequently to Brides Magazine. And so, you know, that's still a lot of travel focused um, articles. I'm working right now on a honeymoon guide for Arizona, which is where I live. Um, mm-hmm. So I have a lot of great suggestions for honeymooners on how to have a really romantic um, honeymoon. But yeah, you know, I contribute to a lot of different publications. So something else that's a very hot topic right now, which you might be tired of talking about, but is AI content. And I saw in one of your recent Substack newsletters that you talked about AI and the dangers of relying on things like chat GPT. Um, it's such a fascinating topic. You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this topic. And they, you know, are, are kind of changing by the day as the technology, you know, keeps becoming more robust. You know, there are some outlets that are using chat GPT and they're not making any secret about the fact that they have AI content that they're producing. And there are other publications who have sent, you know, notices out to all of their writers stating that if you use chat GPT for any of the content that you create, um, we will find out because we have detection tools and you will not write for us anymore. Wow. And so, you know, I don't think it's a tool that writers should be relying on for writing purposes. I do right. think that there are some opportunities with AI for some of the behind the scenes and more administrative type tasks that we do on a daily basis. Um, but I think the real problem may come into play with publicists relying on AI content in their pitches Uh or in the responses that they provide to email-based interview questions. Oh, wow. And the real concern there is that AI doesn't write anything unique, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that it doesn't have a voice and it doesn't have personal experience and it doesn't have credibility and it doesn't source, you know, where it gets its information from um, and, you know, the, the 40 other things that are wrong with it. The real issue comes down to anything that is created through AI is essentially plagiarism because nothing it's creating is a unique thought. Right. So, you know, if we're getting email responses back from a source and they were pulled from AI, you know, we don't even know that. And we could be inadvertently turning that into our editors without even realizing that we're violating the guidelines that we agreed to. Right. Wow. That is definitely something to to be aware of and and it hopefully trust that the PR professionals you're working with um, aren't doing that. And I'm assuming you have to ask now at this point. Yeah, we do have to ask now. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we're going to have to ask that. And, you know, I've seen some chatter in some of the PR forums on Facebook where publicists are 
essentially bragging about this amazing time-saving tool that they're using now. And it's starting to get a little scary on our end because we just don't know what we don't know. We assume when your source is excited to answer interview questions, that it's because they're passionate and knowledgeable about the topic and we're getting their firsthand insights. You know, it would never have occurred to me that those questions were just being fed into a computer and spit back out. Yeah. I, you know, this is even another example of how much even more important the relationships are and yes. know, knowing who you're working with. Exactly. Yeah. So before we go, I would love to ask, I, I know we could talk about this for hours and hours, but some of your best advice, uh, you know, along, we talked a little bit about the AI one, but for PR professionals when working with journalists and the best way to help you do your job. I think um, I think the most important thing is to really be communicative during you know any type of collaboration with media. I can't tell you how often we get ghosted by publicists halfway through working on something together. I cannot believe that. I know I'm constantly shocked. So you know if wow. you can't deliver what you agreed to deliver, that's fine. But please just let us know right away so that we can scramble and find a plan B before our deadline. Right. Um, another thing to keep in mind, and I've been seeing this a little bit more and more lately is to remember that your clients marketing goals do not dictate our editorial angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last piece of advice I have is, you know, really leaning on the available technology as a resource to gather the information that you need about the writers that you want to work with. Um, so instead of shooting us an email that says, you know, wondering what you, who you write for and what, what you cover mm-hmm. and, you know, what you're working on this week, do that research yourself, you know, lean on yeah. muckrack to see what their most recent bylines are to get a feel for what they're doing. Follow them on, on social media. A lot of us are posting the things that we're writing about on social and, you know, looking for sources or products to feature. And then lastly, follow our Substacks. You know, writers make it so easy nowadays to um, for you to connect with them and to have that information that you didn't have access to before. Yes, 100%. And besides the Substacks, which we'll link to, how can listeners connect with you online? Um, so luckily, I am the only Jill Schildhouse in the entire world. Wow. So- <laughs> So if you just type my name into Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Substack, any of those, um, you're going to find me instantly. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was a great, great discussion. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.